All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone. With your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes, back from New York. All, all reacquainted back into the East Lansing life. A little thrown off now that there's actually nice weather and I didn't have to wear 18 layers today. Here with me, who my co-host who filled in so brilliantly last week, Blake Froling. How you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. I don't know if you guys know this, if for all of you millions of fans that follow Blake on Twitter, Blake's kind of a big <laughs> deal now. He got retweeted by uh, Seth Seth Greenberg. Seth Davis. Seth, Seth Davis. Come on. Who's, uh, Shoot high. I, I'm losing my mind here. Uh, yeah, Seth Davis retweeted and responded to him today. Uh, Blake texted me in all caps from class when that happened today. I could sense his giddiness. Uh, how, how excited were you? Well, let's just say I probably looked a little weird trying to <laughs> mask my emotions in the middle of my uh, ISB, but, uh, you know, it was it's just another day. What was it? I think three weeks ago when the Bears signed Jared Allen, and I saw that news at like, uh, I don't know, it was during my 8.30 in the morning class. I was, li- I was, tur- I was like looking around like, somebody, <laughs> can anybody give me a high five? It was... Yeah, so I know the feeling of just having no one to share your excitement with in class. Today is, I don't know, I don't want to call it, I think it's probably top three most depressing days of the year mm-hmm. um, in terms of what the heck, I just wandered around today and like ran into <laughs> walls, like didn't know, there's, I mean, there's no there's no college basketball on for another seven months. I don't know how that's possible. I mean, it's it, it definitely is one of the most depressing days of the year. I mean, we've just been kind of so used to it being on, like, every day, you just, oh, let's watch some college basketball. But now, what are you going to do, watch the Cubs play? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I'm not, I'm not ready to put myself through that. They did send us out with a heck of a game, though. Kentucky fell to UConn 60-54. to That was, I think, about midway through the second half, I texted my mother and said, Okay, I'm glad Michigan State isn't in this game because I don't know. I don't think I could have handled that. I know we joke a lot about the heart attacks that we have during games and blah blah blah, but I actually think my heart would have exploded. I mean, just I mean, I I haven't really followed Michigan State too closely until the past couple of years, so I wasn't really as heavily invested uh, when they went to the national championship in the Final Four in recent years. But just just even watching their tournament games, even the Harvard game, just it just added or took away years from my life so if they would have made it in the national championship game i don't even know if i would even watch i just wouldn't be able to handle it i would watch but it would be like i would just be able to see through my ring fingers and my pinkies (laughs) because my hands would just be on my face for the entire duration of the game but one thing that happened after the game last night, I don't know how much of the post-game you watched. Of course, one shining moment is like a must-see a must see moment of television every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shabazz Napier just went, just 
smashed the NCAA's face in after that game. <laughs> just just took their face and rubbed it directly in the dirt. Because he he basically said, yeah, keep calling us student athletes. We all know it's a joke. He didn't. I mean, he didn't specifically say any of this. But between his comment when he when he was up on the podium, which by the way, how absurd is it to win a national championship and then ask everybody when you have a microphone in your face for their attention? Of course, everybody's listening to you, Shabazz. Everybody <laughs> wants to hear what you have to say. But for him to, you know, he said, "This is what happens when you ban us," which <laughs> is kind of an absurd thing to say, but. It, the, the sentiment is still there that like look at great job NCAA like what you're doing is really working and you know keep up the good work. I mean, and if you heard another comment he had, I don't, I think he might have made it uh, pregame. He said he goes to bed starving yeah. uh, every night because he can't afford food. I mean, Fino, who's uh, watching us right now, he tweets about eating chewy bars for dinner. But I mean, Shabazz <laughs> Napier. He can't even afford dinner, and he's going to be going to the NBA next year. Yeah, I think he'll be able to afford dinner next year. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that'll be an issue. Um, but, but, and then the, the other one that he had post game. Um, God, I wish I could remember who interviewed him, but he said something about how they call us student athletes, and then they take us out of school for a month, and. You know, when it's phrased like that, it really is just it, – it points out all of the ridiculousness of the NCAA. And it's not – you know, I'm I'm not a big – you know, the NCAA is evil, the NCAA is only out for themselves, all that type of stuff. I try to avoid that because, you know, this is not a black and white situation here. It's not – there's not one clear-cut path that needs to happen. But I tweeted this last night when the the – uh, net cutting was going on and it flashed on the screen Werner is the official ladder of the NCAA okay how much money did the NCAA <laughs> make off of that right there millions and this is the problem there's so much money being thrown around and and obviously a, a good amount of it is is going to things that are helping student athletes and it's creating scholarships and and that type of stuff but this money is going a lot of other places, and there's a lot of money being had in this. And when the ladder that is used to cut down the nets is making money, that's where I have to raise my hand and say, okay, seriously, something has to change. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't have a sponsor for the scissors, too. Yeah, yeah and I just thought, yeah, swing line. Yeah, swing line scissors, the official cutting utensil of <laughs> the NCAA. Like, how? I don't know. And like I said, but getting to the game, Kentucky, they sh- I think I thought Kentucky was going to win that game. I picked them by two um, because I, I've picked against UConn all tournament, and uh, why would I stop now? <laughs> and, of course, I was wrong again. And picking against Shabazz Napier twice in a row was just an awful, awful idea. You would think I would learn. He had 22 points. Three assists, six rebounds. It is insane to me that Shabazz Napier led that team in rebounding this year. I mean, it just shows how much he wants to win. That he'll go so hard and in amongst the trees, risk his body. He knows he's got the NBA coming up next year. A lot of guys probably would have just hung back at the three-point line, but he's not one of those guys. He's one of the the biggest, the best competitors, I think, in the NCAA. Uh, he's just he's so much fun to watch just because of the way that he plays the game and it's 
I've, you know, my, my favorite point guard in the entire world is Steph Curry. Um, and that's, I don't know. He, I think he, with the step back and the jump shot that, that Napier has, that's the one that I always want to go to, but his step back is one of the best I think I've ever seen. I was literally shocked last night. I would say, wow, every single time one of his step back three pointers didn't go in because it's been that good throughout the whole tournament. The guy will not miss and he, and he would not let that team lose. And one guy that I think is going to get lost in all of, you know, the Shabazz Napier hoopla, which don't get me wrong, Napier deserves every single accolade that's heaped upon him. But Ryan Boatwright is a heck of a guard. I was shocked. I never, I mean, I never, I didn't watch much UConn before the tournament and I didn't even really watch much UConn before they played Michigan State. But I think Boatwright might be one of the best defenders in the nation. That guy, between what he did to Keith Appling and Travis Trice, which, I mean, guarding Tra- uh, Keith Appling isn't quite as hard as it used to be, but it's still a tough task. And his ability to jump passing lanes and for and he's not a big guy, you know, it's it's really impre- it was really impressive to me. And his I don't know just and and I think. Last night you saw the difference between a senior team and a freshman team, and you don't want to keep making that comparison because it's so drawn out and ridiculous. But when UConn looked like it was starting to slip away, their defense turned up, turn up, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and and that changed the game, and 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 that's the difference I think between a between a seasoned veteran group they know that that's the best way to get back into games i don't think you know you can score a million points but if you're shutting them down on defense that helps you out exponentially more um but and kentucky they they did not go away in that game no i thought i thought they ran the risk of kind of wilting under the pressure with all those freshmen who had never been in any anything close to this kind of a stage and and they actually they they hung tough. Uh, James Young, I think, was the one guy that really kept him in the game, uh, especially with that dunk that just about destroyed two people on <sighs> UConn. I mean, I wouldn't really wish that on any human being right now. That dunk, when it happened, I I stopped watching the game for like five minutes and I just pulled out my phone and found a vine of that dunk and watched it just on repeat because that was, I think, the only appropriate word was vicious. It was just. Ah, it's one of those where you, you, I'd be the first guy just holding everybody back on the bench. Like that was, <laughs> it was just one of those go nuts moments. And you know, th- it, actually at that point, me and my roommate looked at each other and we go, "All right, if Kentucky wins this game now, it's not so bad." Like I, I mean, I was rooting for UConn um, because I, I just can't root for Co- uh, Calipari. Mm-mm-mm. Leaves a bad taste in my mouth. He, he's too. He's. Uh, He's like Pete Carroll. He's the Pete Carroll of co- of college football, uh, basketball. Back when <laughs> that was that was another conversation we had last night. The NFL Pete Carroll, love him, best guy in the world, happy go lucky. He's like sixty five, but he looks forty. But and so that's why I would. I mean, I'd probably like Calipari if he could win some games out in L.A., which he quickly brushed aside last night. I don't know if you saw any of that post game interview with him, but. It was it was actually really funny. Ah, shoot, it was one of the ESPN reporters. She asked him, 
so you're for sure coming back to Kentucky next year? He goes, absolutely. Well, uh, in, unless, you know, <laughs> unless something, you know, major comes up. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, oh, dude, you just left the door open a crack. You couldn't just go all for it. Like that made me, that made me raise my eyebrows a little bit like, hmm, maybe he actually knows something that we don't know. But with Calipari, I wouldn't really be surprised. I mean, he basically coaches an NBA team right now. So would the transition really be that tough? I mean, his players probably get paid just as well. (laughs) The, the only problem, and I saw this, I think Mike Valeni said this, uh, he tweeted this. He He didn't talk about it on air, I guess. Um, but he said, you know, would you, uh, he said, I wouldn't even consider Calipari as a, as an NBA coach, which I would actually agree with because I don't think he's a great, I think he's in the same line as uh, the Tom Cranes and, and I can still say Bo Ryan. Ryan. That makes me so happy. <laughs> and But Bo Ryan is not that kind of recruiter. Bo Ryan just recruits big white boys. And that's, that's what he does. And it works so well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you saw it at the end of the game last night. I think Kevin Alley coached circles around Cal last night. I thought uh, that that timeout after they got that offensive rebound with like, what was it, 50 seconds left? Was that when they called that timeout? Mm-hmm. That was one that not a lot of coaches are going to call. But I think that helped settle the team down, gets everybody on the same page. You know, and it, you know, you can say it lets the defense set up, but Kentucky's decision to not foul at the end of that game was dumbfounding to me. I didn't understand it. I mean, and and the thing that exacerbated it was the fact that they ran 30 seconds off the clock and then they accidentally fouled the guy when he was going to the hoop. So, I mean, do you foul in that situation? I mean, they. I think when, when he accidentally fouled him, they still had another foul to give before they put UConn in the bonus. So I, I would have started fouling right away because, I mean, UConn has shot pretty good uh, from the free throw line. They were 10 for 10 for the night. So I don't know that it necessarily would have worked, but you're not giving – your your players a chance. Kentucky is known mostly for their offense, and they have so many weapons on the outside. I mean, the Harrison twins—they just win games for you uh, from the three-point line. So, why why not give them a chance? Try to try to hopefully get maybe three points uh, on the other end when only giving up two, and try to cut that deficit down. But I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. That's true. I I don't know. Let's see. So it was. Connecticut missed a three. They were okay. So James Young makes a layup with a minute nine left, and then Harrison fouled, and then Kentucky called a timeout. They fouled, and then that was where, after that timeout at fifty-four seconds, I think Kentucky's got to come out and foul because that way you're at least extending the game. Yes, UConn is just a machine from the free throw line. Whatever. Give them their two points. You just try to extend the game. Just do what you can because an inbound pass is not an easy play. Uh, you know, you've got the big athletic dudes that are built to, be, they should be able to guard an inbounds play. I, I, don't, I disagreed with that. I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can, uh, you can just let it go like that. And I know it's only a two-possession game, and if you get the defensive stop and blah, 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 but the way that UConn was going in that game, I just don't see any reason to not foul and just at least give yourself a better chance than than one possession, really. Right, and also it, it was kind of tough for Calipari in that situation because just about 
any other team in that position, even if you say maybe the roles were reversed and UConn was in the position where they might had to foul, they had experienced guys that would have the the knowledge that they need to foul or they don't need to foul and when to do it versus just kind of having the coach tell them what to do every single step of the way, like I'm I'm assuming Calipari has to do because, I mean, most of those guys are only 18 years old. I mean, just as old as me. And I'd just be absolutely lost out there. Um, but still, you you got to think that the experience, inexperience on Kentucky might have hurt them a little bit uh, going in the end with the fouling. Well, you know, that's the problem that that Calipari, if he wants to keep – if he, I, I think he can sustain this system. I really do. I think he can keep up with this. And I know he says he doesn't want to do it, blah, blah, blah. Shut up, dude. If I could get seven five-star recruits for as freshmen every single year and just hopefully I can throw them together and just – I mean, that's what he has to figure out because he's clearly a good enough recruiter to get that talent in there. So all he has to do is just come up with a system that basically runs itself. And at that point, all you have to do is get the team to buy in. And you would hope that that's not that hard. I I mean, I've never had to try to get a high-level athlete to buy into my system, but... You would you would hope that their desire to do well while at the collegiate level, even if they even if everybody knows they're going to the NBA next year, you would you would hope that their desire to to excel for that one season that they're in college, that would be enough to get them to say, okay, uh, I'm going to do whatever this guy says, especially when he's got a good track record. You would think that Calipari would have enough clout to his players to be able to say, all right, you see all those guys in the NBA that I coached? They're doing pretty well. So clearly what I'm doing here works. So I don't care what your aspirations are next year. Here's what we do. Learn it. Love it. Let's go win a championship. And I think he can do it. I I just hope, you, and you know, the biggest thing that has been an issue when you think back to like the Fab Five you just have to avoid those recruiting violations for long enough to not get fired. I mean, honestly, he's left a, a path of destruction. I mean, everywhere he's went. I mean, when he left UMass, they yep. went on probation. Memphis went on probation. You got to think maybe uh, if you see him go to Lakers, you know, start start looking to the watch, see how long it takes for <laughs> Kentucky to see some of those violations. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, it's too bad. But that's the way that the college game is right now. And I, I don't see any way that it's going to change anytime soon which is also unfortunate but all right so i i listened to the podcast last week after i after i hung up i mean not right after i hung up i think i fell asleep in the back of the car um but and and we talked i talked about this on the pact a little bit yesterday i think this season was a disappointment for michigan state i really do and I agree with your argument that in light of all the injuries and in light of everything that went on, it's still a good season. I agree with that. But, and and this was my thought process throughout the whole year. Okay, these guys are injured. That's fine. They're still going to get back with enough time to, you know, get their, get their heads straight and figure out how to play as a team and especially when they ran through the Big Ten tournament. 
I thought that was the indicator. Okay, this team is right where they should be heading into the NCAA tournament. Now, I didn't expect Keith Appling to regress the way he did entering the NCAA tournament. Ten points in, what, four or five games? That's, I mean, there's there's no way to account for that. So I, I but, and that's the reason that I, that I still think that this was a Final Four bust year. And, you know, Elite Eight appearance, that's great. But especially when the last game comes down to the fact that they threw the ball away 16 times, I, I just don't, I, I mean, I can't chalk that up as, okay, you know, we'll get him again next year. This is one of those, and even taking away the, I, I honestly, I could give two poops about the final four streak. That's, okay, whatever, that's over. I mean, that stinks for those guys, but, you know, we were talking about it yesterday. Izzo doesn't have that recruiting tool anymore. All right, so now he can say one class out of however many classes of seniors he's had come through didn't make it to a Final Four. I think he'll still be okay. Um, but I, I really, I like I said after the game, I was just shell-shocked. I, was, I, I didn't think there was any way Michigan State was going to lose to UConn. I didn't think there was any way they were going to lose to really anybody in the tournament the, the rest of the way out. Kentucky was really the only one... And may I mean Florida would have been a tough matchup, but I as and you know as I've said since that was even a possibility, I think Michigan State just has Florida's number. But it, it was like I said, I was shocked, and it was it was just an emptiness. It was like what, and I felt the same way for the first half last or last night. I was like, Michigan State should be in this game, and and I don't know how it would have gone. It would have been. It would have been interesting, but you saw and and yeah. So that so I want to know. So did your expectations drop in the season? Yes. Oh, okay. definitely. All right. So then that makes sense. I mean, I mean, when you had guys missing so much time, you I wouldn't really say national championship or bust. Maybe Final Four would be great, but I mean. I mean, you you made a good point when you said that once we rolled through the Big Ten tournament that maybe we were turning the corner and becoming the team that we were supposed to be, basically. But, I mean, it's just we basically played with four people, four players on the court when Keith Applin was out there because he was just a no-show for the whole tournament. And I think he, if he would have put in an, even an average performance for all of those games, we could have still been alive. And I think another thing that we aren't really comprehending is that I don't think we're giving UConn enough credit just for how good they are, just because they just came out of nowhere. I mean, I'm going to be honest here. My bracket, I had them losing in the first round, so you can see how, how good that pick looked. I went with the uh, 7-10 upset uh, with, with St. Joe's. Uh, we don't we don't have to talk about that anymore. But <laughs> I don't even remember who I picked in that game. I mean, you just didn't even think of that, about them as a contender. Right. I mean, you have some outlandish things, you know, coming in, like, oh, maybe this, this Cinderella will come in. They were never in the conversation. I mean, in their tournament, I think they got blown out by, like, 40 points by Louisville. Like, th- is that is that a national championship team? You you didn't think so, but we 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 didn't really watch them that much throughout the year, and we weren't we just didn't know how good they were. And, I mean, how could we, though? They weren't... I mean, they're a seven seed, and that's that's obviously you know, seven eight in the national championship. That's obviously not indicative of how good they were, but 
what did they finish the year? They were 12 and six in the American Athletic Conference, which is not, I mean, that's not a great conference. Uh, they were 32 and eight overall. That's actually, I mean, you take away the tournament wins, so that's what 26 and eight. That's not. I mean, that's that's a good record. I think Michigan State finished somewhere around there, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's, but the difference between Michigan State and UConn was their guard play, and you know, UConn got what they needed out of DeAndre Daniels and. Um, Giffy actually woke up last night, hit his first three, and I don't know how long. Um, Giffy, pardon me. <laughs> his name's Giffy. Um, but Shabazz and Boltwright were the difference. They, they, I, those two won the national championship for UConn, I think. And DeAndre Daniels helped him out in in the oh, the Iowa State game, and also in the uh, God, who did they, in the Final Four game. Um, but Shabazz and Boatwright were the difference, and their defense was the difference too. I mean, they played stretches of of Michigan State when they were really rolling esque defense. But Michigan State didn't have that same, you know. It's it was like that Gary quote that we that we had last week. It was the the desire to win was greater for UConn than than really anybody else in the tournament apparently because they just would not lose. They wouldn't lose. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes. And one other thing I'd like to point out is that Ryan Boatwright, he was actually recruited in the eighth grade and offered a full scholarship to USC <laughs> as an eighth grader. I mean, so, I mean, I don't remember who was coaching them at that time, but, I mean, he got it right, honestly. Yeah. I mean, with without Shabazz Napier, I mean, he's probably the best point guard on the majority of these teams that were in the NCAA tournament, but he just gets overshadowed by Napier, and he doesn't really get enough credit for how good of a job he does. And, you know, he's not a he's not a take-over-the-game type of scorer, and, I don't, I, you know, it's tough to say if, if that's because he can't or because he doesn't need to. When, you have, when you're playing alongside somebody like Shabazz Napier, you're not going to have to pour in you know, 80 points a game, but he just, he's a very smart basketball player. And you saw that with some of the plays that he made last night. He would, there was one play in particular, he, he, I mean, it was kind of a Jordan move. He dribbled inside, got down to the block, started dribbling back out. The defenders rotated on him and he just went in for a reverse layup. I mean, that's, that's the kind of smarts that you want in a two guard. And it's, you know, for a guy that's not that big, he has to be that crafty and that aware. Um, and I don't know that that the Michigan State guards had that. And I don't understand why, but it's... Uh, so I want, I want to know who you're most... Or first of all, is scale of one... or Give me percentage-wise, what are the percentage chances that Harris goes? Harris goes? I'm going to say yeah. uh, 99% right now. Because, I mean, we've heard there's been reports that he's going that he's been talking to or has signed with an agent. I haven't heard anything official on that yet. We haven't heard anything about a press conference. They just announced a press conference later this week, tomorrow, something like that, about uh, John Bede. Um, Joel Embiid and Bill Self are going to have a press conference later this week. Talk about probably that he's going to declare. Um, kind of just waiting on that for Harris, I think, at this point. 
apparently I've, I've just been hearing this today and I don't even know where people heard this from, but apparently it's a lot, I mean, it's a lot more 50, 50 than, than we would think because of the relationship that he has with his teammates. And, uh, and apparently he just really likes college, which, I mean, what's not to love, <laughs> especially now that the weather's getting nice. Like, yeah. That's a great recruiting tool. Um, but it's, I think he should go. Yeah, I mean, you know, as Seth Davis told me, <laughs> I mean, the only way you can get him to stay is tell him he doesn't like money anymore. So, I mean, you're going to do your econ homework next semester? You're going to be rolling your millions playing for, you know, the Pistons maybe, you know? Yeah, I'll take the check. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Most other kids would. And in Izzo's press conference, his last one, um, I think, you know, after, when you were in New York, he basically said in so many words that he's going to basically tell him that he should do what he thinks is right, not not try to pressure him into staying just for his own reasons. Well, and I think that's the beauty of Izzo is he's never, you know, he doesn't recruit guys that are ready for the NBA, but if a guy proves himself ready, ready for the NBA, Izzo's not going to say, well, you know, what the heck are you doing? He understands the way that the process works, and um, but I think he will tell the opposite to Brandon Dawson. I think I, and apparently Dawson is right at fifty fifty two, which is mind blowing to me because, and granted he will get paid by somebody I don't know who, Harlem Globetrotters maybe I don't know it's I just don't understand I I wouldn't. I don't know. From my point of view, and this is not even wishful thinking. Like, if Brandon Dawson goes, I will not begrudge him one bit. I think anybody that is mad at a college athlete for leaving school early to go make millions of dollars is out of their minds. They don't understand how the world works. Those are the kind of people that threw temper tantrums and Toys R Us when they were, like, mm, 10. (laughs) (laughs) it's, It's just not... That's not, I mean, you don't, other people have to look out for themselves at some point, And that's the way that it is. And I understand that. And it's, it is what it is. But from a, from an, a nonpartisan, strictly, is he ready for the NBA point of view? I don't think he is. No, he's six foot six and he plays power forward. That's never going to fly in the NBA. The only reason he would go is if, you know, some scouts just see his freakish athleticism and think that, you know, with the next level coaching, they can give him a jump shot, you know, maybe stick him in the D League for a couple couple years. Hopefully he d- develops into something. But, I mean, unless he's hiding something from us, he is definitely not ready. I mean, he has a worse shot than Josh Smith right now. Oh, that's saying something. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, Josh Smith's going to set the record for worst three-point shooting ever. And, uh, yeah, give him, give him a big round of applause <laughs> for that one. And, and Brandon Dawson took one three-pointer in three years here at Michigan State, and he's six foot six. I mean, you got some, some point guards that are six foot six in the NBA, and he'd probably even play – he'd have to play small forward because there's no way he could play shooting guard in the NBA. He's, he's just not ready. His shot isn't ready. I mean, he plays pretty good defense, but his game is around the rim, and that's just not going to fly in the NBA. You know, they said Jordan was too short. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, just had to, I, just had to see, I just had to see your face when I said that um, because that just popped into my head and I thought it made me laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, I, and maybe, and maybe, and like you said, it's, it's a, it's a matter of whether or not an NBA team is, is, is really, is willing to risk 
okay, this guy can't shoot, but he can jump out of the gym. He can rebound. He's a monster on the boards, all this. Let's just take him now while we can, and then we'll worry about his jump shot later. We can give him one of those, the freak athleticism and all that you can't teach, which is, I mean, that's a valid thought process. I, I wouldn't work under those let's hope he can learn how to shoot kind of conditions, especially when a guy's got a bum bum hand, which I don't think will persist. But I don't know. I just think I think the pay raise will be more next year if he goes. So it's it's a matter of do I want to get paid, a, I mean, some now or more later. And I don't know what his background is like, um, but – I think that'll that'll affect it big time, and whoever's chirping in his ear will have a big effect on him too. Obviously, as with any athlete, but it's uh, I don't know. And wh- where do you think Payne will go? I I have so much trouble trying to figure him out. You know, uh, when I was working on my article for the draft stocks of Michigan State, I looked at about ten different mock drafts, and and they had Payne all the way from about eight to. 28 and everything in between but it seems like the consensus is like just at the end of the lottery maybe a couple picks after that i mean you got to see what 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 teams are there and what needs they have because he's such a versatile player you know he's so unique in that he can play inside and outside maybe like not as good as Dirk Nowitzki, but you know something like that kind of style of play, and it's it's kind of hard to pass that up because they say he does need a little bit of work in the post, but I mean you can teach that in the NBA, and this might be just my bias, but I wouldn't mind seeing the Pistons maybe trading down and trying to pick him because if you think about it, Greg Monroe is going to want you know fifteen plus million a year. He's got to go. Yeah, he's got to go. Sign. Payne on the rookie deal, give him like $3 million a year. And especially with Joe Dumars gone, that actually makes sense. So, but that's just my bias. But that just shows where it's just whatever team is there, they feel feel like, do can he fill a position for us? And I think he's like 22 or 23 right now. So he's a lot different from these 18, 19-year-olds. Like they could basically plug and play him with without worrying about him, you know, wilting under the pressure. You would hope and – you know, my biggest concern would be that his shot is really kind of herky-jerky, and it's not that quick. He doesn't have – it's a very slow, you know when he's going to shoot. But I think, you know, Draymond Green was the same way when he left. And, and he's – I mean, he's doing fine for Golden State. I think the I think that's the best comparison you have. Obviously, Payne is, more, is less of a – he can't run the point forward like Dre can. Uh, but if he – I think if he can – improve his post game which is it, it's good but it's not he was never a great back to the basket guy but I think a big part of that was he never seemed willing to and I think you saw that in the in the elite eight game why the heck wasn't wasn't weren't they trying to to use the post which carried Michigan State to the elite eight game um I, I don't know but it's I've been saying oh well a lot this week, <laughs> talking about Michigan State because I've just been talking to people and it's like, well, if just this would have happened, oh well, like, and I'm just because that's all you can say at this point. It's like, oh well, 
it, it's like, I mean, it doesn't soothe the pain anymore, but it's just better to move on and just say whatever because there's always next year. I mean, you know, going on that point, you know, there's always next year. You got to think this is probably the best chance Michigan State had to win a national championship for the next couple of years, which might, you know, make your argument that the season was more disappointing, uh, you know, even even more valid because, I mean, just looking at the, the lineup next year that we're going to have, I mean, Denzel Valentine's going to be your star. I don't know how far we can we can go with that. Here's my thing for next year. And I don't know if this is just me wishing and hoping or if anybody else sees this, but I think Alvin Ellis III can be a monster next year. I think he can be so good because this year he had limited minutes. He didn't, I mean, I don't know what did he average, something like, uh, I don't even know. I mean, not, I mean, he didn't get major playing time. He wasn't ever needed to score a lot, but there were, I mean, there were flashes where he would just go. He would just go to the hoop and he's a big dude. He's not, uh, he's not a small guard. I think he could play a good two next year. I think it's gonna it's gonna take time, but if they play him at the two or three, I think he can be a, a very good scorer for that for this team next year. And I, I mean, do you see it or, or am I taking crazy pills here? I mean, you know, it's it's kind of tough to tell because we only saw him in such limited action throughout right. the year. I mean, he averaged seven point nine minutes per game. Um, shot 48%, which really doesn't show you tell you much, but but from what I did see, he looks like he's a really good athlete and and in a playmaker too, which and you know, being a freshman, uh coach Izzo said that he couldn't really play him as much in certain situations because he was a little too turnover prone at times, maybe pushed it too hard, but I think he'll be a sophomore next year, so he'll get that learning experience and this was a great year to learn with with all the stars ahead of him and he actually got some playing time because of all the injuries. So I mean, I think that really helped his future. I mean, we were talking about at the beginning of the year how Ellis might even get redshirted, so I think it's a great thing that they didn't redshirt him. I think, the. I mean, you know, you talked about, and, and I will admit that all of my judgments are on very, very limited sample size, but I think the, the decision for him to not redshirt was very smart. I think the limited minutes that he did get will be productive for him later on. Um, it's just you know I I just hope that I'm right in in my prediction that he can he can be that two guard that Harris was because what is he okay so he's six foot four what's uh oh, where's his name there's so yeah he's I mean he's physically he's Gary Harris yeah, minus basically. minus ten pounds twenty pounds so I you would just and so it's just a you know it's kind of just get your mind right and. And I think that's a big thing for Gavin Schilling, too. I think both big men. If Gavin Schilling can just take a deep breath and say, okay, we got that year out of the way, I've been through my freak out, whatever the heck happened every single time he got in the game this year. He got over that. Let's just, we'll we'll just put that behind us. Now I know I can play this game and and let's go try to make it back to the Final Four. But and and I think in the same way, only not so much slow it down. Matt Costello, I hope now that pain's gone, he will when he gets the ball directly underneath the basket, he won't look to the perimeter. 
That's that's my biggest hope for the team next year, I think, right there. Just Matt Costello, get the ball in the post, maybe look at the hoop before we try to kick it out. Yeah, I mean, well, he he had so many he had so many scores around him. I think he was kind of afraid to take a shot and miss, you know, with the thought that maybe, oh, maybe if I pass it out, we would have gotten a better shot. But, I mean, we've talked about this several times when he had to play big minutes in the Iowa game, how many times he passed up open shots from two feet. But I think you know he'll be he'll be the man down 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 low next year, and he'll have to get more aggressive, or he's going to get benched, and Gavin Schilling is going to get a chance. So I th- I think I hope over the summer he just works on those little bunnies. You know he yeah. he just he hit the square it. just yeah. hit the square. I mean that's all he has to do, and hopefully he can develop that way. It's yeah, it's going to be. I think the the biggest. I, I know I just said this for Costello, but I've changed my mind now. I'm allowed to do that. Um, the guy who I really, 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 really hope can figure out how to play an entire game of basketball is uh, Kaminsky. Because give me the fact that he has an outside shot already at 6'8 is great. And he actually, in a another just kind of flash in the pan, hopefully it's an indicator of more to come, Later in the season, he had a couple plays where, you know, he was down in there going for rebounds, trying to get putbacks, stuff like that. I think he could play a huge role in this team if if he can play as a big man and, more importantly, learn how to defend. I mean, Izzo had to keep him out of a lot of situations because he yeah. couldn't defend. I mean, it was so bad. Being, being 6'8", it was just an absolute mismatch. Those guys would take him to town. But, I mean, I mean he's got the outside shot. I mean... Yeah, like you said, we did see some flashes where he actually took it into the paint. I mean, I hope he gets more aggressive and tries to box somebody out and get a rebound once in a while. If he can work on that, maybe, you know, put a hand up when someone tries to shoot, I think. He's got a bright future ahead of him as well. Yeah. I, uh, the two the two other storylines heading into next season that have already started developing, um, there's a chance that Russell Bird might retire, and there's a chance that uh, Ghana might, either retire or transfer um i i don't even know how to feel about that (laughs) you know you hate to say oh well see you later but what alex gonna went from being like one of the first big men off the bench to he's cleaning up garbage time that i don't i don't understand what what's happened with alex gonna i really don't because when he first came in, he was one of the guys that was like, okay, let's let's watch this guy and, and see where he can go because he's six foot nine, two fifty. The guy's huge. But I I don't understand what's happened. And that's that's concerning because the same type of thing happened with like uh Brandon Kearney. Not Brandon Kearney. Kearney, was that? See the guy that came in, he transferred to um, ASU, ASU or Iowa State. I can't remember which one, um, but you know he came in and he just kind of got lost in the system. And that, and, and I don't know if that happens everywhere, but oh, you think of like Garrick Sherman? I think that's another one that you can go to where, you know, he wasn't great physically coming in, and he just never developed like everybody thought he was supposed to. I see this as kind of a pattern, which I find strange for a coach like Izzo, who's pretty, I mean, generally he's pretty good at developing players and, and getting them 
you know, you had the Adrian Paynes and the Draymond Greens and the Derek Nixes and all those success stories, but then you also have these guys that kind of fell back. And it's a strange thing to me, and it's something that you don't really notice all the time because those guys do just fizzle out. Like, if Alex Gauntlet did, it, I think it would take me a couple games if I wasn't paying attention to say, where the heck did Gauna go? And Which is really too bad for him, but, I mean, that's that's the way that it went this year. Yeah, and he started a couple games towards the beginning of the year and a lot of times what would happen is he would get the start play about two minutes and then just get yanked immediately and he wouldn't he wouldn't come off the bench the rest of the game so you got to wonder you know does does coach Izzo trust him enough I mean he only has about eight games where he had double digit minutes never scored in double figures so I mean he's a good physical specimen and I think I think his best move would be to transfer because I mean you know he has some players that are ahead of him leaving now but I think his best move is to transfer to smaller school where he can actually get some playing time because I think you know 6'9 250 he's got the body for it you know why not give him a chance where he can some place where he can actually you know contribute see I see that's always a a difficult question for me for guys like and and Russell Bird I don't know what the heck you do with him either because Russell Bird's a good guy, you know, he's he's always he's a good bench, you know, he's always up there and but he gets in the game and it's just like what what? Um I I don't know. I I struggle with Bird because and this is the thing that I would ask them is because I've you know, I accepted the fact pretty early on in my life that I'm, you know, not I wasn't going to be a superstar at any high level, but that you know, so when I think of these guys, like, okay, would I rather go to, like, all right, I'll go to Valpo for a year and, and get my PT and maybe, you know, go on a little bit of a run, run a win a mid-major conference t- championship and, and have fun, or would I rather just be around the team and on the team that goes to a Sweet 16, goes to an Elite 8, just be part of that? I think I'd rather go... I think I'd rather just be a tag along. And maybe that just says something about me. I'd I'd rather be around the superstar than be the superstar. But you're would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or, you know, the small fish in a championship pond? I mean, it's tough to tell for every person. Russell Bird, I mean, he, he we thought he was going to be pretty good when he got here. But then those injuries kind of derailed him, and I think it hurt him a lot mentally, too, with his confidence in his shot, and he just wouldn't take shots. I mean, you know, the only game where he really got significant playing time was North Florida. He did score 10 points, but, I mean, other than that, he, he did get in just, you know, the majority of the games, but he was he would just stand on the wing, you know, get the ball, he'd pass it right away, would never even look for a shot besides the Iowa game, which just surprise everybody when you hit the game winner that was the greatest thing in the world i mean he's called the legend for a reason he is and and i think most michigan state fans would like to see him back but i mean if i'm russell bird i don't even know i don't know what his mind state is personally but i don't think that you know he's he's the same basketball player and he'll never will be the same basketball player even if he goes to a small school i don't think he'll really be that effective i completely agree and it's too bad when you see careers go like that but that's why I think and I think he could be the type of leader that this team could use next year because he is you know you you watch him on the bench and you watch him interact with all the guys and and there is a certain amount of 
you know, the guys respect him and they, you know, they want to hear what he has to say. And, and I feel like that's the kind of leadership that you need. And before we wrap up here, we got about 10 minutes left. I want to ask you, because this is something that popped into my head yesterday. Do you think not having a captain hurt this team? I think down the stretch it did. And even even when they had all the injuries, yeah, because there was no one to bring the team together and say, "Look, we are Michigan State. We have we are going to pull through this. You know, help a lot of the younger guys through. You know, with Ellis getting time and Schilling getting time. I mean, even with with Costello, they look kind of lost sometimes. And I think I think a guy that could have just taken him under his shoulder and been and told him, you know how things were going to go and kind of give him some guidance, you know, like a Draymond Green kind of personality. I, I think that would have done wonders for them, even even if that leader wasn't someone who was, you know, going to be doing all the scoring. Who, I mean, who do you pick on this team? I I really don't know. I mean, at the beginning of the year, I thought maybe Keith Appling, he would have been the best candidate if he would have, you know, really stepped up. And I think Izzo was kind of hoping that he would, but even with his injury, I think if he could have been more of a leader when he wasn't doing the scoring, I think that would have helped a lot of the guys around him. I think I think Appling would have been the guy. I think Harris would have been the would have been the choice in a lot of people's minds just because of what he's going to do on the court and all that. But and I know that one of the reasons that Appling wasn't named is because he's not a real vocal guy and he's not you know the yelling and screaming the the Draymond type, but. I've always been I've always thought that if you put a guy in that position, he will he will find the correct way to fill out that role. And if you put that C on him, then the rest of the team says, "Okay, this is the guy that we have to look to." And once that guy knows that he's the guy that everybody else is going to look at, you I think that will increase the level of play. And maybe I'm just, you know, la la land wishful thinking here, but I think that's the way that that a lot of people's minds work because you le- you heap that load on somebody. I say, all right, this is a responsibility. This is an honor. This is something that I need to hold on to and and do the very best that I can. And I think they could have used somebody because when I think about this Michigan State season. There was never, except for, I think, the Sweet 16 game and the Elite 8 game, Brandon Dawson kind of stepped into that role of, all right, you know, kind of fire up the troops. Let's let's get it together, guys. Here we go. Here's our chance. He he had a couple of those moments, and I think Valentine did too also, uh, did a little bit. But I think that because that was – that was the one thing that this team was missing, whether it be just in a in a leadership role or a scoring role. Game in and game out, there was never a guy that Michigan State could say, dang it, we need some points right now, here's the ball, whoever. It was always a different guy every game. And I and usually that's a good thing, but I th- and I, I would I never thought that I would say this, but I think that hurt them in the long run. Which is shocking almost. Yeah, and you you know, for the people that say Gary Harris would be the leader, I mean, it's tough, you know, being a sophomore and the captain. I think maybe Adrian Payne could have been another strong candidate because of his character and how much he grew. I mean, even though he had the injuries, he would have been 
a good guy. He seemed, you know, he gets pretty enthusiastic. You know, he yells and screams sometimes on the court. And when you're talking about Brendan Dawson, I mean, you know, for the first half of the year, a lot of people were questioning his motor. And, and if he has, you know, people questioning him like that, I don't know how much of a captain he could have been. I know in the second half of the year, especially after he came back from the injury, he really turned it around and became the player that everybody wanted him to be. But I don't know if he would have sustained that the whole time. And, you know, we're just straight up speculating at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, this is the this is the what-if game that we get to play now that Michigan State didn't win a national championship. It's all of the what if this would have been different, what if this would have been different. Which really stinks, but hey, that's welcome sports radio because that's yeah. what we get. Uh, well, someday hopefully we'll get paid to do. Um, so, I I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure we're we were just talking about this before we went uh before we started recording. Um I don't know if this is going to be our last uh last is own podcast, but I think the takeaway from this year is a team really needs a guy. And whether that guy be you know your point guard, your big man, they need a guy. And they, you know, ideally you have a couple guys, and UConn had that. But I think, I don't know. That's that's always. I th- I feel like whenever you have a championship team, you have the guy. You know, the, for UConn, everybody's talking about Kemba Walker. That's the that's who they're comparing Napier to. Mm-hmm. Last year it was Russ Smith. Two years ago. Who was it two years ago? Who won two years Kentucky. ago? Kentucky. Kentucky, that would have been... Anthony Davis? Yeah, Davis. Davis was the guy that year. So I don't know if that's a product of a good system or if that's just what you need to win in the tournament. But, and you know, you think about the last championship that Michigan State won, Mateen Cleaves. That was, he was the guy. And when he went out and then came back, that was the difference for that team. And obviously that was a very, very good team. But I I just I I hope that Michigan State can find that guy next year. And I really, really truly believe that Alvin Ellis will be that guy. I'm calling it right now before we even see one spring practice. Odds are tomorrow Alvin Ellis will be walking to class and his ACL will explode out of his <laughs> knee and just I mean, that'll be the end of his career. Because that's the kind of mush that I've been rocking as of late, but I don't know. I like I said, I I would chalk this season up as a disappointment, not not a failure. I don't. I, I, I'm not equating those two. I think it was a very productive season, and in light of everything that went on, it was they did a lot more than than Michigan State probably should have, but. As someone who came in saying this team is going to win a national championship and really never wavering from that, even with the injuries and all of the, you know, weird stuff that went on in this season. And that's really all that this boils down to is you wonder what would have happened if two of those weird things hadn't happened. Let's say Brandon Dawson punches a pillow instead of a (laughs) wall. Let's say, you know... Travis Trice doesn't get blisters inside of his blisters. Let's say Matt Costello doesn't kiss dirty women. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, 
like what you know what happens there's and that's that's the biggest problem for me right now is i'm in this constant state of every like couple hours or so something pops into my head like oh what if that would have been different like the whole season could have changed and it's it's maddening and that's the life that you live as a sports fan and we keep coming back every year but i think overall this was a heck of a ride for michigan state basketball and and i i wish i i could say i I wouldn't have it any way, other way, but I really would have it any other way. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if they could just do what the UConn women's basketball team does, that would be, that would be ideal. But I, I don't think that's ever going to happen because Michigan State doesn't pay their players enough. And <laughs> not to say that uh, UConn women's ball does, but uh, recruit. I mean, comparing the men's game and the women's game in terms of a recruiting point of view is apples and oranges because. I can't. I mean, I I know Notre Dame has been good this year. I know Stanford has been good in the past. I know for a long time, you know, Tennessee was good for the Lady Vols, but UConn has been the, just the dominating force in women's ball forever. And and so I wish that that was a thing in men's, but it's not. And I don't think it's. I certainly don't think it's going to come here to East Lansing anytime soon. But uh, any any other closing thoughts on the season, Blake? Well. Every time I, I think about it and think back to just how good this team really was, it kind of frustrates me a little bit to think that we only made it to the Elite Eight. And, you know, my blood pressure raises a little bit because you just think, what if, you know, we were so close to getting over that hump, that UConn hump, and I'll I'll never forget about it. But, but like you said, it was a fun ride. We had the highest of highs, you know, the lowest of lows at some time, some points, but, I mean – it was it was fun and I I'm really glad I got to experience it here at the Impact Is Zone. Absolutely, uh, I just looked one more thing before we go. I just looked at the score. Uh, UConn is up on Notre Dame, sixty three to forty two. What? There's not another sport in the world where two undefeated teams can come into a game and just have one just completely annihilate the other one. Uh, <sighs> Uh, you can compare it to the Super Bowl if you want. I wouldn't, but mm-hmm. that's that is impressive. I th- I think that's the word I was looking for. There's another word, <laughs> but I don't think I'm supposed to say it. Uh, my name is Andrew Hayes, guys. Thank you very much for listening week in and week out. I assume you're listening week in and week out. I don't actually know. I'm just talking to a microphone here. Uh, if you want to hear what I talk about after college basketball is over and all of the other sports that I watch, uh, follow me at IsOwnHaze22. Follow at the ever-increasingly popular <laughs> and somewhat famous now, uh, Blake Froling, at BFroling. That's it, right? Yep. There's no numbers? Okay. Plain and simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, i got to fix mine. I don't like mine anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thank you guys for listening. This has been the Impact Is Zone, and go green.